We are in Champions League, man. That was my Dilly din, dilly dong, come on. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. This is the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast with Gary Kearney. Aguero! Hello, welcome to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. My name is Gary Kearney. Joining us for this episode is Tim Sparve. Current player with FC Mitterland, the famous team in the Danish Superliga and also captain of the Finland national team. He calls himself a full-time footballer, part-time student, columnist and entrepreneur on his website. He has a really interesting journey and some fascinating views on development, data and cultures. You are going to love this one. Please let me know what you think at Gary Kernin on Instagram, at Gary Kernin on Twitter. This podcast is brought to you by Total Football Analysis Magazine, a must-have resource for all coaches on the tactical side of game, in my opinion, they have 120 plus pieces of analysis per month and also have an all access subscription website, which is my personal favorite. You can go on there, not only find tactical analysis articles, but they also have brilliant content on coaching topics within the game and specifically on session design as well. So if you're a coach and you haven't signed up, please do so. TotalFootballAnalysis.com. Use the discount code MSC20. It gets you 20% off anything on the site up until the end of April. TotalFootballAnalysis.com. Absolutely brilliant. Get yourself a subscription. Here is Tim. Enjoy. Tim, thanks so much for joining me today on the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. Really excited to have you on. Thank you for the invite. We'll start with development. Uh, your your pathway, your journey, very, very interesting. Three years at the famous Southampton Academy, which is worldwide acclaim. Interested to hear what you learned there. What were the, the things that were introduced from you? What changes from, from when you were experiencing the game in Finland? Uh, yeah, I think you... You need to uh, to understand where I came from. Um, I come from a really small village on the west coast of Finland, and uh, moving to England when I was just sixteen years old that was a that was a massive change for me. Of course, I think it would be for for anyone. Um, but I think it was necessary in a way as well because I was, um, you know, in my hometown, I was I was always one of the best. And uh, and that time I went I went from being one of the best to being just average, you know, when I came to Southampton. So it was I was uh, I was definitely out of my comfort zone. I was away from um, from parents, friends, and uh, it was it was a different uh, it was a different level. And and you know the competition for for places uh, was uh, immense. Um, so as I definitely found out what it uh, what it takes to to make it in professional football. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's uh, it's a really really good academy, a fantastic environment to to work in, um, very professional. Uh, so I uh, I really enjoyed my time there. Um, I had really really good players around me, of course. I think everybody knows Theo Walcott, Gareth Bale, Adam Lallana. But it's not just those three. But I think it's another 
five, six, seven players that have played in the in the Premier League that came from that uh, academy group. So we had a really a really really good set of uh, players, you know, working hard, motivating each other, and uh, and uh, no, I think it was it was a very good move for my for my personal development. But uh, but uh, I mean, it was it was also the the stuff you know outside the pitch that you would clean uh, the first team players' boots, you would uh, clean their locker room. So that was also a part of your your uh, personal development. So I I really. I really enjoyed it, and and uh, definitely grew up to be a to be a man, maybe a little bit quicker than I would have been in in my um, comfortable surroundings in Finland. How does an academy like that get the balance right between, you know, you mentioned professionalism there. How do they teach you at a young age about what the game's about, those tasks, uh, and then my, meshing that with keeping your enjoyment level? How do they? How do they balance that so it just doesn't become a chore at 13, 14 years of age that you want to walk away from it? Yeah, I think that's uh, that's the fascinating part because you don't want to you don't want to develop robots. You don't want to be developing someone who just comes in in the morning and goes into autopilot. Uh, so finding that balance is is uh, is crucial because we're still talking about teenagers, uh, young young men uh, that are, are trying to uh, you know develop their skills but you you need that uh, you need that fun part of it um to be still there you know you need to just see the the smile on the players faces when they come in in the morning and then you want them to enjoy themselves otherwise otherwise they will have a really really short career um yeah i think you just need to Need to understand that uh, that you're developing young young men and and they have hopefully you know twenty years ahead of themselves. So so um, always find that balance between uh, between fun and you know um, professionalism. Yeah, which brings us along nicely to development today. I know you take a keen interest in this here with with where the game's going today. I mean, where are the flaws that you see? I suppose us as a coaching community and how. The game has moved today from a coaching standpoint. What what are the flaws that you see in development? Well, when I look at the the FC Michelin Academy, uh, I'm having a hard time finding any flaws. If I if I compare to my uh, to my own uh, upbringing, I mean, today you got nutritionists, you got mental coaches, you got kicking coaches, you got throwing coaches, and uh, you know the. The analyzing part is also much more evolved than it was, you know, ten years ago. So, I just feel that uh, that the young players today they're getting everything that they need. My fear is that are they getting maybe a little bit too much? Is it too structured? Uh, you know, some young players today are they getting too too much money? Um, uh, you know, we we still need to we still need to need to be able to to um you know motivate these these young players and and uh, it's so important that they still have that hunger in them you know when they when they grow older so so giving them too much too early um is definitely a, a danger a danger for me uh, so that's maybe one of my my fears when i look at the the development uh, today um but uh, also i know that in finland we have we have some discussion around early specialization uh you know that 
young players today that they go all in on one sports, which I'm not a fan of. I think uh, I think you know up to up to an age of you know 14, 15, you should try different kind of sports. I think it helps you both physically and mentally. Um, so uh, I hope that is something that that the coaches today are also addressing. You know, instead of just uh, specializing on, on just one sport, I think it will it will drain you um, too soon uh, and maybe take the fun out of it. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I think the first part, you know, just maybe a little bit too structured. You know, we, we need to we need to learn the 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 young young players today to um, to take responsibility of their own career and having that awareness of what they need to improve and not just expecting too much from the from the people around them you know um i don't want to see like i said you know i don't want to see robots coming in every morning and just waiting for uh, for the coaches to to tell them what to do i need, uh, i want people actually taking responsibility of, of you know their own career and their own uh, path we've got a quite got a question of you on on rasmus ankerson a little later on but on the piece of motivation his book the gold mine talks about the the facilities how we overvalue the facilities and and we're talking about you know from a senior level with the contracts can demotivate or maybe take a little bit off the edge of those players at the highest level do you think we can do that at the youth level by maybe exposing them to these multi-million dollar facilities because that's definitely something we've got here in america yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of that. Actually, I mean, uh, as a, as a senior player, I want I want my faci- facilities to be, you know, top. But uh, I'm also aware of that of the fact that we shouldn't. I mean, we shouldn't have it too well, and and especially when you're a young player, uh, you know, trying to trying to develop when you're 15, 16, 17, uh, you should definitely have. You should definitely try and, and earn um earn good earn good facilities you shouldn't get too much too early i think that would that, that would be um that would be a danger it could maybe demotivate you in 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 some some cases um so trying to trying to maintain the hunger i think that's uh, that's essential yeah you you wrote a brilliant blog the source of motivation on your website and i think it's i think all coaches should read it because sometimes we we picture this perfect world where we all want to believe that a genuine love of the game will be in, will be enough to take a player from six years of age to when they finish their career to 36. But what, what have you learned about motivation as a professional player throughout the years? Well, I think, first of all, I think uh, motivation needs to come uh, from inside you. Uh, it needs to be that intrinsic uh, motivation, um, first of all. Um, but I've also learned. I mean, it's it's all, always fun to to win. Uh, if it's winning games or winning championships, that's you know that's highlights of your career. But it happens so rare, uh, rare. And for me, it's always you know trying to enjoy those little things in in everyday life. Trying to enjoy that that process that you're in. Uh, you're you know you're trying to improve as a player becoming a better player the development of yourself i think that's that's the stuff that i'm you know trying to enjoy more today than i did maybe previously um i really i really like just just coming into um to the training ground and, and spending time with my friends and going over some some tactical stuff trying to prepare ourselves for the next game and trying to think do things do things right um so just 
just you know trying to appreciate that part a little bit more than maybe I did uh, before has been has been crucial for me you know because if you if you just if you just wait for those big moments like when you win a, a trophy you, you might just wait <laughs> you might just wait forever so uh so trying to uh yeah trying to have some kind of balance in your life i think that's that's crucial um so i mean i've, I've actually had had a feeling lately that i'm enjoying football more today than i did uh, when i was you know 23 24 uh, i'm not really sure what that is um but you know today i'm when i come home i'm trying to switch off more than i did usually you know previously some some weeks i could actually i could watch eight to ten football games on on telly um, and that was maybe something um yeah that i was getting too much of the of the good stuff so now i'm trying to come home i switch off and i, I don't think about football too much uh, so that's maybe played a played a part of, of finding a, a better balance in my my daily life which is another aspect that as coaches we are conditioned to think that that the player that lives and breathes it is the player that eventually will get to the top but reality is that you do need those those breaks to come away from soccer and and like it it's the love of the game is almost a gift and you have to protect the gift and the gift can be a little break mm. here and there is that what you're experiencing at the moment is that what you're saying yeah i think so and uh i mean especially for coaches as well it's it's so important that you you come away from your from your work or from your passion and and you know do something else it will, it will not make you uh a less of a coach it will it will actually improve you i think uh, because sometimes we're so we're so caught up in in games and trainings and, and evaluating trainings evaluating games that we're uh we're in this you know roller coaster going round and round and it's it's you know we, we can't we we can't see the we can't see the you know the warning signals that are coming uh that means that we maybe should should take a break because this is i mean we want we all <laughs> Every one of us, we want football to be a part of our life until we're ninety or a hundred. Um, so that's a, that's a really that's a really long time. But it's uh, for me, it's still the best thing in the world, and, and I hope I'll, I'll be a part of it in in some aspect for the rest of my life. But I think we all need to need need to be aware of of the the negative um, side effects of uh, you know being so caught up in in your in your passion uh, that it can can be too much um, sometimes. Comparing England and Holland to traditional powerhouses and in, in football cultures, what what experience was that like moving from one to the other? I mean, you, you mentioned there about talking about the game with your teammates and tactical conversations. Were there is there differences between those two countries? Yeah, I, I think it is, and uh, I, I've really uh, enjoyed playing in different countries because I'm, I'm always trying to, to learn from the, from the, from the coaches I'm, um, I'm playing under from the environment that I'm in, you know, trying to, trying to become a, a better, better player, but also maybe for my, for my second career as a, as a possible coach. Um, so it's, it's been really, it's been really interesting to, um, to, uh, you know, get get a chance to experience that dutch philosophy and the english philosophy i mean in in holland i really i really felt that the young players coming through from the from the academy they were technically really gifted i mean and and you can see that how how the dutch teams are playing today you know the first first touch um, 
turns you know the one v one situation offensively they are you know they are are really really good um so so even if even if it was like a 16 year old or a 17 year old uh, boy that came in and practiced with us in the first team and if we did like a possession game they they could you know they could be there and and didn't break a sweat um so i was really impressed with you know the the indiv- individual's skill uh when i was in when i was in holland uh tactically i didn't feel like like they were uh at the level that i had maybe expected uh i think they were maybe um maybe less less intelligent than maybe you know sweden for example were because i came from sweden and and you know that was all about organization and and structure so coming to holland i i didn't feel that they maybe appreciated the the maybe the defensive part of of football as much as the, as they did the, the attacking part um but uh, again you know i I've, i've been really fortunate to uh, to experience all these different football cultures and and i'm just trying to trying to learn from from the amazing people i have around me all right here's an interesting one this this personality test that you underwent at at meetland obviously you you've written about how beneficial it was i was wanted to get your thoughts on where what do you think it was more beneficial with with self awareness and and how you viewed yourself or was it more how you could communicate with players and staff i think it was a bit of a uh, bit of both but uh, definitely you know that that self awareness that i learned i learned a lot about myself it was a real eye opener for for me um i uh, i could i could more clearly see what my strengths and and weaknesses are as a as a person um and you know sometimes i'm a bit uh, too systematic and too structured so dealing with things that are not in my control things that i can't influence can make me a bit uneasy sometimes and that's i mean i always felt it somehow but after that after taking that test and seeing the words on paper and i i got this aha uh, experience okay that's that's how it is so this is something i need to you know be aware of when when uh, you know uh, things happen that are not under my control so so doing this doing this test uh, was really really beneficial for me um, in my personal development and and i just i just think that it's it's so important to to receive feedback uh, of some kind you know that honest feedback for for players and coaches otherwise you don't otherwise you don't improve um because uh otherwise you just go along and, and do the same um, mis- mistakes over and over again so you know having someone around you that that can you know be br- brutally honest with you and 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 tell you how things are i think that's 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 again that's essential for for anyone's uh, anyone's uh, development um you know trying to trying to improve and trying to become a better better teammate or a better coach for their uh, for their players so um you know taking these personality tests or, or you know receiving honest feedback uh, i think that should be should should be a part of uh, part of you know maybe maybe even on a on a monthly basis yeah to stay on that one then something that i've learned over the past couple of years with with senior players is their their desire to want the feedback in different ways some want it on the training pitch right away some want it in a in a chat walking back and forth some wanted with the video 
is there a certain way that that you've decided that you would like feedback? Do you communicate that with the coach? Uh, yeah, I think you have a you have a point there that uh, you know you can give feedback in in different uh, different ways. I think, I mean, I I always enjoy uh, discussing with uh, with my coaches, but I also enjoy if there's a if there's a a thing that you know went wrong during a game, I, I really like to see the pictures and and have a talk um, around those uh, around those pictures. Um, but it's I mean these days coaches can't talk uh, too little with their players. I think you know uh, maybe 20, 20, 30 years ago it was you know it was that sometimes dictatorship that the coach would just say what uh, what needed to be done and everybody would do it but you know this generation of players they they need they need that contact um much more than than maybe the previous generation they want to they want to talk they want to feel like they're a part of the part of the part of the process they want to feel valued they want to they you know constant constant motivation constant feedback is so important for for players today i think that that social competence for uh, for coaches these days that's that's actually more important than the you know the the football football intelligence in itself that's a statement right there yeah so if um the coach the, the tactical genius that everyone is trying to be now in, in coaching terms that's if you overlook the fact of relationships communication you're at you're in jeopardy or in, at risk at jeopardizing uh, your impact on individuals at every level, right? Because it's even, a, it's probably more that we think that that's a senior level, that it's just a case of the coach puts something on the board and you guys mm. perform. But what you're saying there is that even more so you need that communication at the highest level. Yeah. I mean, it's always, uh, it's always a case of creating that kind of an environment where you, uh, where you can talk openly about stuff, where you have constant communication with your players and with your staff. I mean, I'm I'm also a bit of a tactical nerd in that case. I mean, I like to watch uh, games on telly and see how things could be differently. I like to talk about it with my with my teammates. But uh, I mean, as a coach, you know, it's it's also it's it's always about how you how you. Um, how you look at your players and how you communicate with them and, and, you know, make them feel like they're, they're somewhere where their, you know, effort is valued. Um, I think just, just have that empathy is, uh, you know, that, that should be a highest, highest priority before you start, you know, um, you know, being too, too nerdy out on the pitch and, and going through all these detailed stuff, you know, it, it's, it's always about, you know, respecting each other and making everybody feel uh, feel like they're you know a part of a family yeah which brings us along nicely to the uh, analytical side so, <laughs> <laughs> you said in an interview that you were brain damaged from analytics i thought this was great um i mean when when was that side of your game first introduced to you and do you remember what your reaction was when you came across this this data age of of soccer so to speak well i think uh my first um my first experience with it was in in germany actually um and then it was my uh my, my coach uh called me into his office and uh and uh and told me i wasn't uh i wasn't 
playing, you know, well enough, which I was, uh, you know, which I agreed on. I wasn't, I wasn't in a in a good, uh, in a good place at that time. But he, but he was also he was also giving me he gave me a sheet of paper and uh, and showed me that I wasn't uh, I wasn't winning enough tackles, for example. So 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 that was a bit interesting, you know. That was the first time I actually saw some statistics from uh, from the previous games and where he had you know highlight the, the the stuff where i wasn't you know up to up to standard uh, so i think that was and actually you know the the next week i was actually benched as well so he that was that was a bit but a bit funny but uh, he, he gave me you know he gave me he gave me a, a feeling that okay something is something is is maybe happening and and uh, i got i got a little bit curious what it was all about i mean it was Still very basic, you know. You know, it was passing and and uh, duels and, and uh, you know stuff like this. But but uh, you know, here was here was a coach that uh, that was also looking at some some statistics instead of just uh, going with his with his uh, own personal feelings. Um, but you know, after that, I, I signed to I signed to FC Michelin in uh, two thousand fourteen, uh, I think, and that was partly because of data uh, and and. That was probably the moment where it got my attention, and and uh, you know I got very very curious and and wanted to know more. Um, so ever since ever since signing for FC Mitchell, I tried to try to follow follow a bit uh, the the you know the statistical revolution, and you know you know especially maybe you know personal favorite is, is shot location. So sometimes when uh, when we when we train and, and somebody shoots from. From a distance where you shouldn't be shooting from, I always shot shot location, and they just laugh at me. Um, so it's uh, it's I think it's it's fun. Um, you know, it's a, a very good tool for especially coaches and um, clubs in general to uh, to try and try and gain an edge in in world football. Yeah, obviously FC Michelin now with Brentford, Michelin, Liverpool these these clubs that are using data at, a, at an unbelievable rate, it seems. We envision that you walk into the club and there's stat sheets everywhere and spreadsheets and it looks a bit like Apple or Google or whatever it is. I mean, I suppose, how is it delivered on a daily basis? How is it communicated in a club that doesn't, again, disengage players, that doesn't look like a school when you walk in? Yeah, I mean... I still, I still only look at the, the, you know, the basic data. So it's, it's not really that high tech uh, from a, from a player perspective. Uh, so I, I might, for example, look at the amount of forward passes, uh, success rate of tackles, and especially the physical da data is something that, um, you know, I find really fascinating. Um, so we look at, you know, the high intensity runs uh, during training and games, uh, sprints, for example, and. Try to compare ourselves with with some of the some of the best teams uh, best teams out there, um, but it's you can see that you know some players are more interested in in uh, data than than others. Um, but I but I feel it's it's a it's a really really good tool, an objective tool that you can you can use to uh, to somehow see through all the noise and emotions that are such a such a big part of football sometimes. Um, but uh, I, I mean, I really like it uh, to to have some numbers also after a game, in, in addition to the clips that I that I always watch. Another aspect where where Michelin seem to have set themselves apart on a world stage is this set pieces 
uh, and I'm fascinated by how how the practice of set piece because every every coach has gone out there and tried to work in set pieces and myself included have found that their players are bored silly after 10 15 minutes and they disengage they switch off and all of a sudden the intensity drops um you can sometimes feed off that as a coach and lose a little bit of interest as well uh, from personal experience i mean how do you coach set pieces work it in your system without i suppose boring everyone to tears every day yeah, I can understand that it's uh, that it's a challenge to uh, to keep the players uh, focused and and interested. Uh, it's not always been uh, been the part of the training that entices me either. Uh, but first of all, I think I think you got to make it a priority um, at the club. You know, it, it needs to come from. Uh, you know, in, in Michelin, we got you know Matthew Benham, Rasmus Ankas, that that actually values set pieces. On just as high a level as you know, defensive tactics or offensive tactics. So uh, set pieces, set pieces at FC Michelin have won us championships. So it's it's a crucial part of uh, cru- crucial part of our game plan. It's a, it's a part of it's part of the the club's identity actually. Uh, and and I just feel that I just feel that coaches are naive if they don't see the the positive side of of being good at set pieces. Um, but I understand your uh, understand your frustration sometimes because it can be a bit tedious uh, at times. But uh, what we do at Midtjylland is is making the players a big part of that that uh, process again. So we're looking, you know, a player for example, he might be looking at a game during the weekend. Uh, he sees something that he likes and he, he shares it with the coaches. And then we might actually you you know might actually try it during a training. And then if it if you feel like okay, this is something that we can use, we will also use it in the game. So, uh, so you know that that gives you know that gives players the ownership of of uh, set pieces and and the set piece process, and I think that really helps. And you know the joy of the joy of being creative is, is something that everybody everybody likes and everybody thinks it's fun. Um, so, so for me personally, set pieces has has gone from being a bit boring to to being something quite enjoyable. You know where you can actually share some of you know something that you've watched yourself during a, a game at the the highest level, and and then maybe try it out for yourself. Um, and you know especially at at a club like FC Michelin where it's where it's valued, where where people appreciate um, set pieces. Um, and and we can just you know we can see the result of it as well. You know we we're, we're scoring, we're scoring for fun these last uh, four or five years, and it's it's helped us, uh, helped us won two championships and a uh, and a uh, and a cup trophy. So so um, that I think that's that's also helped us you know motivate ourselves a little bit more when we can see that there's there's uh, you know. Results are results are coming as long as we can, you know, train and, and stay focused. Mm. Interesting. Uh, let's say that you, you. It sounds like your personality suits the analytical side of the game. Let's say that you guys sign a player with massive potential, but has never been exposed to data analysis, etc. Does the club? look to impact that player or can that player basically I suppose self-manage their interpretation and, and hold off and they're like listen I'm not really into that there does the player have any say in that or is it does the culture almost sweep the player up in 
no, this is how we work. Uh, you're going to have to adapt and grow in this area of the game. I think that you need to adapt when you come to a, a club like FC Midtjylland. Um, I think the the culture and the environment will will influence you. I mean, you can't come to, <laughs> for example, the the physical training is a really big part of our identity as well. We have a really, really competent physical coach. We're a, a physical team. Um, so if a player comes to the club and say, "Yeah, I don't like the physical training," I mean, he will be thrown out of the door. I'm sure. Um, so you know, again, you, you gotta be you gotta be open minded because this is a very innovative club. We we try to be a little bit different. We try to find an edge uh, because we can't compete with clubs that have more money than us. So we need to um, we need to find uh, some marginal gains somewhere else. Um, so I think every player that comes to FC Mitchell, they they need to they need to have that right type of mindset that you're open-minded you don't need to have to you know you don't need to fake anything or, or like everything that we do here but you you definitely need to you know take an interest in it and and try it for your for your own sake um because uh, we 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 do enjoy um trying to be a little bit different and and i'm sure that you know i've been here now five and a half years i've seen that the the club is improving um year by year and it's it's going to be really interesting to to follow its its progress these these next coming years because uh, i don't feel i don't feel that we've seen the, the best of this club yet uh, it's just it's just getting started we'll just take a quick break here coaches if you enjoy the content and the podcast on the modern soccer coach please check out the modern soccer coach community platform and support what we are doing there We have a session database, weekly content, and a monthly webinar, which is all free to the members. The latest webinar has just been uploaded, playing with a back three, insight on how to train it, ideas in and out of possession, Sheffield United overlapping centre-backs, Wolfsburg and Dortmund case study. Tristan Thomas, David Seymour, and Gavin McLeod have provided three presentations with over one hour of tactical content. Please check it out now on modernsoccercoach.com slash community. Only $6 per month. We also have a special offer on the website for an annual subscription and an MSC book of your choice for only $60 total, which works out to be just over $3 per month for all the content. Again, if you enjoy the podcast and the work that we do, please consider supporting us and getting involved in the platform. And a massive thank you to everyone who has signed up and got a subscription. Thanks so much. Back to Tim. It's amazing to watch outside looking in, even in this community over here, every time the name comes up, everyone's ears perk up because everyone wants to work in the, you know, the marginal gains you mentioned, everyone wants to work on marginal gains, but the vast majority of us are overlooking maximal gains. We're we're not even touching the surface of what we're doing. So you mentioned about the physical uh, metrics. And again, now going back to Erasmus, he, he called you the no stats all-star, uh, said your position was so good that you didn't need to run <laughs> problems before they arose. So what I want to get your thoughts on, do oh, coaches today overvalue GPS? Do, do our messaging potentially reduce the importance of intelligence out of possession? Well, that's a that's a good question. I'm I'm not really I'm not really sure what to what to answer on that one. Um, 
I mean, I, I feel that I feel that the GPS tracking systems are really important to to monitor players' physical status. Um, I mean, we we look at teams like you know Liverpool, Salzburg, Leipzig, and in and the tempo in which they run. Uh, that's the main thing that we're looking at, trying to trying to compare ourselves. Um, uh, and that's that's actually where the real difference are. You know, the high intensity run and the and the sprints. So I think that having having a GPS tracking system is you know that's the modern that's the modern football right there. Trying to uh, trying to monitor players' physical data um, from from training and and games and and knowing you know which buttons to to push. Uh, and if somebody's a little bit fatigued, maybe taking them them in from training once once a week, trying to get them, you know, a little bit more more fresh. But um, I really think that you know you, you you can you can have that GPS tracking system, but you can still you know appreciate someone who's uh, maybe not always running um, running as much, but but using his head a little bit more. But uh, you know, personally, I'm. People need to realize that I'm, I'm even if my positioning is is uh, pretty good, I'm still one of the players that runs uh, runs the most. Uh, so uh, I'm definitely I'm definitely in a, in a position on the pitch as well where you where you need to run. Um, so, uh, but uh, but yeah, I, I really I mean I'm actually really fascinated by the by the by the physical side of it as well and how you can. How you can try and uh, you know minimize minimize the the risk of injuries when you train and when you play. I mean, can you can you spot the signals when you when you get this uh, objective data, but also the subjective data that that people uh, the players fill out in their in their apps? Can you see the signals before you before a player actually gets injured? Uh, I think that 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 is a part that will that will you know develop. Uh, a lot the the coming five and ten years, um, and I think it's crucial because you know the the amount of games that the players are playing these days and in the tempo that they're playing. You know we need to we need to take care of their uh, their physical health and and everything that can that can help them is you know that's that's the way forward. Mm. Well, especially when you're you said they're Liverpool and and Red Bull as well. Like the the intensity of that there. Would involve, I would suspect, pushing yourself uh, through limits, and there's there's obviously an element of risk with that there as well. So, from a player who's an experienced player who's into the data, are you? I suppose are you measuring that yourself? Are you conversing with your 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 medical department on a daily, weekly basis, or that there? How how are you trying to push your limits? I suppose physically. Yeah, I mean, you, you gotta push yourself if you wanna if you wanna become a, a better better player, and especially you know physically, it's a it's a it's a thin thin line sometimes. I mean, even if your if your body is aching, that that doesn't mean that you need to that you need to take it easy. Uh, I mean, if you if you really wanna you know get up to that level uh, where Salzburg and the rest are, you know, when it comes to uh, sprinting all over the pitch, you know, playing in a tempo that that you know where we're not, uh, that we're far from. Um, then, then you then you really need to you know try and um, try and get everything out of the of the out of the trainings. But it's it's really it's really cool to you know you come in from training and you ask the the physical coach. So what what were my numbers today? And you can you know 
you can compare yourself to to the others uh, you can compare yourself to yourself and see if, if you if you trained at the level that you um, that you that you should so i think everybody's everybody's really self critical and uh, and try to trying to do their best uh, but I, I think you know again having having some dates after a training having some dates after a, a game it will uh, it will help you because uh, you always you know you might have a feeling uh, there's so so many emotions uh, part of football but but you know having that objective tool I think that's uh, that will that will help uh, you know every every player and every coach uh, become a little bit better all right, we'll finish off with your views on coaching then. If you were, uh, don't want to put you on the spot and say, like, what are you going to do when you playing? <laughs> but uh, if you do move into that area, I mean, what what, what kind of aspects interest, interest you the most with coaching? Well, I'm, uh, like I said previously, I'm, I'm very uh, fascinated by the, by the tactical side um, at the moment. But, uh, I mean, as a coach, I would like to be enthusiastic um, caring uh, curious uh, someone who creates enjoyable sessions uh, someone who motivates and sets the tone for the for the whole organization um, I mean I want to be someone who who delegates and empowers the people around me um, but uh, I mean you know tactically I look at someone like Diego Simeone at Atletico Madrid and, and what he's done with uh, with that team, you know how how well they're working um, uh, with each other uh, and and you know take some inspiration from him. Offensively, I'm looking at, at people like Pep Guardiola and and looking at his offensive solutions. Um, so I want to I, I definitely want to be a, a coach that that is you know always trying to learn, um, always being really humble and. Uh, you know, you know, uh, because I, I hate, not hate, but I, I dislike people who think they, they know everything. Um, so I, I don't want to become one of those, you know, I, I always want to be very self-critical, very humble and, and, and trying to, trying to learn from the people around me that are better at, at some things than I am. Which, uh, which youth coach in, in all your time, or actually I'll extend that, which coach impacted you the most from youth to professional? Wow, that's uh, that is a very good question. I mean, uh, maybe it's a little bit boring to mention my dad, but uh, but coming from uh, coming from a small village um, in Finland, you are dependent on having someone around you that knows a little bit about football. Uh, and I was lucky enough to have a parent that had played himself a little bit uh, although it was at uh, amateur level uh, I mean you know I was lucky that he could actually show me some of football's ABC uh, from from the age of 5 to 15 uh, so he was he was a, a crucial part of, of my development development back then and and uh, you know his his role his role was big to say the least so um, a big a big thank you to my dad for for his help when I was when I was younger because you know without without having someone to uh, to teach you at the, you know at a young age no one to you know inspire you and motivate you then it, then it's really then it's really hard and and he was he was good because we had a we had a 
uh, a youth where we we didn't play only football. I mean, I was I was involved in athletics. I was involved in floorball, uh, ice hockey. It was you know it was everything. So it was a really inspiring youth. Um, but but you know football was always number one for me. So it was it was never a question of of what I would choose. But um, but my my dad played a, a played played a big big role. But I've been I've been fortunate to have really good coaches. You know in in every every club and even if they've been a little bit less good i mean i've always learned from them there's always positive things that you can that you can take from from the people that uh, that you have around you so so um, i've been i've been very lucky to to work with some uh, some inspiring coaches yeah it seems that you've you're obviously very aware and and reflective on, on the experiences that you that you have do you, are you a player that that comes home and writes down all the session notes or are you a player that sits and writes down how they're feeling or is it a bit of both? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't have a, a diary or a, or a football diary uh, per mm-hmm. se, but uh, I mean, sometimes when, uh, when we have a session during training, which I feel, okay, this is, this is something I could, uh, I could use myself one day. Uh, then I might, might actually write it up, uh, because um, I mean, I'm I'm really, uh, I mean, I'm enjoying. I'm and I'm, I'm, I'm almost talk more to my coaches than I do with my teammates because I wanna I wanna I wanna get in, in inside their head and see how they how they think uh, and how they you know because they have a they have a philosophy at this club and and they have a a way how they wanna play. But how do you how do you train to to influence our behavior during the game? I think that's that's one of the most fascinating sides of, of football because you can't just you can't just you know play five sides every day. You you need to think okay what what's what's the kind of behavior I want to see in in the game. So what's what's the type of sessions I need to create for my players? And then I think that's that's a really interesting interesting side for for me as well. Even even though I'm just a, I'm just a player still, but I'm I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the coaches. I'm looking at what they're what they're what they're uh, trying to trying to convey uh, to us players and, and how it's uh, how it's received and and maybe in some cases I can be a, a link between the the players group and the and the coaches to see that everybody's on the on the same page um, because that's I mean that's what it's all about you can't do it you can't do it alone and, and uh, I feel that sometimes when the the coaches are sitting in their office and and you know trying to create a session then it looks really easy and it looks Looks okay. They 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 think okay. This is going to be easy. Going to be going to be easy to understand for the players. But when they come out on the pitch and you have twenty five players there, you know, everybody in their own mind, everybody in their own bubble, it might not be that easy. So it's uh, it's good always to have someone on the pitch that can you know help um, yeah help organize everything. All right, a couple of fun ones to finish. Best player played with. Just one name, or can I say? <laughs> you can you can have two or three. Yeah. Wow, uh, Jari Littmanen. Oh wow, Virgil van Dijk, uh, Gareth Bale. Right, right. Um, talk to me a little bit about Littmanen because he's a legend back in back in my day watching football. Yeah, I mean, you you know what the you know what the 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 craziest part is, you know, with the with the new generation, they don't even know who he is. Who he is? Wow. Sometimes, sometimes I come into the training ground and I wanna, I wanna lecture them on uh, Finnish football and, and the, the legends that we have in the game. And I try to, 
tried to talk to them about Jara Litman because he was he was a fantastic player. He won the Champions League. He was a legend at Ajax. He went to Barcelona. He played for Liverpool. And these guys, they don't have a clue who this guy is. So I get, I mean, I get offended. I really get, I, I get really annoyed that they're uh, that they're. You know that they don't know who he is, but you know they're all young, so I need to I need to calm myself down when when uh, when they do that. But you know, just shortly about it, man. I'm gonna I'm not gonna talk too much, but you know, when I first came into the to the Finnish national team, he was there uh, together with uh, Sami Hyypiä, Jussi uh, Jaskalainen, uh, Hannu Tihinen, others. I mean, they they really I mean their professionalism that really influenced me. Uh, seeing someone like Jari Litmanen, who was I think he he might have been 36, 37, uh, but he was so detailed. He was, you know, he was so professional when it came to, you know, eating, taking care of his body, treatments, uh, you know, training on the pitch. He was just, he was so, he was so hungry to to improve and do everything he could to uh, to to prepare himself hundred uh, percent. So that's that's definitely something I took uh, took with me to see somebody you know the the captain you know the the star of the team uh, being the one who who you know who wants it most. Uh, I think that's that's really that's a really really nice symbol for for everything. Yeah, it's it's interesting that again my eyes are just watching football players that have come to the Premier League when they are so called past their best physically. Um, so players like him and Zola. Uh, Players that are maybe a step behind, but mm. Henrik Larsson, but are still yeah. making such an impact. You you kind of because it's such a physical league, such a quick league. You get a, you get a chance to tell how good they are because they don't rely on that speed. It's yeah, yeah. I mean, we I can I can still remember. Uh, I think we played Germany away from home. Uh, I think it was one one. Leithman. I I mean, he, let's just say he was old and and he wasn't. He wasn't the fastest player, but you know he was just he was just gonna play one two touch. He made all the right decisions on the pitch, and his you know his cognitive ability was just out of this world. And I think this is this is actually a part part of uh, you know the the you know the coming five ten fifteen years. You know people's you know players' uh, game intelligence, game awareness, uh, one's cognitive ability. That's that's the that's the key area where we need to improve, because physically I think we're coming to a, a plateau uh, somehow, and and more focus should be should be put on on making the players understand football. Um, so someone like I mean people should look at Litman and and, and the the, the, the decision making he's uh, he's doing on the pitch because it's just just perfect. Mm. All right, and the last one, easy one for you. Best player played against? Um, well, I was I was on the bench when we played against Portugal, uh, so I didn't play against Ronaldo. Um, but yeah, that's that's hard. Maybe Iniesta. He was uh, he was pretty good. Um, uh, I mean, we played against France and and German as well, and they they have a, a couple of a couple of decent players. But but Iniesta. I mean, the way he's 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 a bit opposite to me. You know, I'm 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 tall, lanky, and and you know when I play football, it looks a little little bit weird sometimes. But he's just you know it it just looks. It just looks sexy somehow when he moves with the ball, and you know he has a fantastic first touch. He he's got eyes in the back of his neck. Um, so uh, you know, I would I would have to say uh, Iniesta. I think. Brilliant, brilliant. 
Tim, time has flown by we're out of time thank you so much really enjoyed it thank you very much Gary it was uh, it was nice to be a part of this podcast and, and share some of my thoughts and, and experience so uh, I really appreciate it thanks so much to Tim for his time and his insight there I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did where do you start we always talk about culture on the podcast and we talk about different aspects that are introduced into teams if it's set pieces if it's data whatever it is but i think what you see there is talking to a leader on that midland team where everything is aligned together like you can't bring in new ideas if it doesn't fit the culture of the team and the culture of that team is one where it welcomes innovation it seems to welcome a growth mindset it seems to welcome marginal gains they seem to welcome hard work and what tim said there they take pride and they get excited by being a little bit different than anyone else and when you look at soccer and you look at the landscape today it's almost very much keeping up with the joneses everyone wants to get that little bit of technology or everyone wants to be the culture team or everyone wants to add something that everyone else is adding and i think if you're going to be really really successful you've got to be ahead of the game and you've got to be working really really hard and doing things ahead of everyone else and that takes courage and that takes vision but that also takes then a foundation in your team that people are open to those ideas and i think if the players are open to those ideas obviously the leadership that's driving them has to be even more intentional about the messages that are going through and how that environment and culture is being constructed so i thought that was really really interesting just those little insights into how they view the set pieces and how they view hard work and how they view the physical metrics i mean that that there's so much consistency uh, within their culture and then also the mindset to to work hard and challenge yourself so absolutely outstanding insight to there i listened to that three times and go back i'm still listening to it and taking down notes so i uh, would love to hear your thoughts for sure at gary kareen on twitter at gary kareen on instagram yeah we've done a lot of culture podcasts and from a coaching perspective and a leadership perspective but i think that could have been the best one so far from a player's perspective so yeah let me know what you think for sure really appreciate listening to the podcast thanks so much have a great week goodbye thank you for listening to the modern soccer coach podcast for more coaching topics sessions and resources head on over to coach kernine on facebook or visit the website at www.modernsoccercoach.com